Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. As we begin with the Apostles' Creed, it's one of the most revolutionary, world-changing, personal, and cosmic declarations. It's a profession. As we said last week, the Apostles' Creed literally reflects the light of the Word of God revealed in Christ. And for 2,000 years, beginning as people were converted out of paganism, out of Judaism, in baptized into Christ, conversion into Christ, the Apostles' Creed was the catechism, if you will, the profession of faith. And we had determined um, that we would spend some time over a few weeks talking about the elements that are uh, declared there that in a simple phrase are the declaration of a wider body of scripture. And so today, as the second phrase of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God and then, and in Jesus Christ. Say, in Jesus Christ. I believe. And significantly, the angel uh, that came to Joseph told Joseph in the Gospels, you will call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ, God, man, was the fulfillment of some 350 prophecies in the Old Testament, all of them speaking towards and some very specifically about the anointed one, the Meshiach, Messiah, who was to come in fulfillment of all of God's promises, not just to Abraham, but going way back to the Garden of Eden in that first event where God said to the woman, that your seed will crush the serpent's head. And indeed, he has. And God has seated him on high. So Jesus is unique. And he was assigned a name. He was alive evermore, the eternal son to the father. When he was miraculously born into the womb of the virgin. He was alive before that as the Son of God in the Trinity. And this is what this, the creed speaks to. If you notice, the main body of our profession is about Jesus. Introduces us to which God the creed speaks of. The Father to the Son. And then speaks of the mortal birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension, and pointing to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are in that nearly last phase. Since Jesus ascended to heaven, now we are waiting for his appearing. And the scripture makes it very clear that he will come for a glorious church in the earth. And so we together, as we believe, credo, I believe, in this God and in his son 
are being changed into the same image by the Holy Spirit. So that when he comes, he will come from heaven with a shout, with a shout of the archangel, the shout of triumph, with the hosts of heaven to receive his bride and recreate the heavens and the earth. And in that, we each will have a part to reign with him forever. Jesus Christ is Christos. It is the Greek, if you will, word for the anointed one, Messiah, Mashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christos, Jesus, the anointed one. And it, we, are, we are shown the cosmic plan of God through the tabernacle of Moses and the high priest ministry of Aaron. And in scripture, in Exodus, it gives a special recipe of the anointing oil. Say anointing oil. That's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And it was specifically set aside not to be used for anything except to anoint the sons of God, to anoint kings, to anoint for healing, to anoint for commissioning. And it was a holy and sacred uh, recipe that they used. But it's, as I said, a symbol of the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we see Jesus being anointed. He was anointed at his baptism. When he came up out of the water, John said, I saw the Spirit descend on him. So Jesus was anointed at his baptism. And you remember, he was sent immediately into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested by the devil. And that was the beginning, if you will, of the revelation of the perfection of the obedient son. And you remember the devil, and we see in Scripture that Satan and his demons recognized Jesus immediately. Why? Because they knew him before. They knew him from eternity as the eternal son of God, the governor of nations. And so the devil says, if you are the son of God, make this stone into bread. And you remember what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So the spiritual realm recognizes Jesus. And then we have the stories of his journey to Gadara and the Gadarene demoniac and Gadarene demoniacs in one, one of the, the Gospels. And you remember they were crossing and they went through a terrible storm. There is always opposition. When God is on a mission. And you remember Jesus was sleeping through the storm. So our prayer is that we, as we journey with him, that he will give us grace, even in the face of tremendous opposition, but also power. The anointing is for empowerment. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach good news, to heal, to open eyes, to make the lame walk, to set the prisoners free. So Jesus, go, he, they wake him up, and he, remember, he stilled the storm with a word. We've had some experiences in this church family and ministry exactly like that, where in Jesus' name, there's tremendous authority, even over storms, directing storms, making storms cease. And we pray 
that God would give us grace to be those who still the storms in the hearts and minds of the world around us. And particularly in this nation, we are in a critical time and going into a storm as believers, as we see in the expressions of the culture and the national media. But we have a story. We are the next chapter in an eternal glory story. And you have an anointing with authority, anointing from the Holy One. So he goes to Gadara, and you remember there were men, for certainly a man there, who literally was so demon-possessed, principalities had absolute, utter control over this man, but to such a supernatural degree that the whole region was in terror of him. He was living in the tombs, in the graveyard, and um, the whole region was afraid. And Jesus went to Gadara specifically to set that man free. And the story is, as he begins to come towards the man, the man doesn't know who he is, but the demons know him of old. And they cry out, Son of God! They recognize him immediately. Have you come to destroy us? And you know the story. He casts the demons out. They go into a herd of pigs, wreck the pig farming industry in the region as the pigs ran over the side of a cliff into the sea. But the man is completely and instantly healed and in his right mind. And remember the story. He asked Jesus if he can follow him. It's very interesting. He may have been the first Gentile missionary because Jesus said, no, no, go back to your people. And tell them the great things that God has done for you. So, say anointed with the Holy Spirit and power to go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. This healing anointing was to consecrate, to set apart, and to empower. It was used to anoint the kings and the priests. And scripture says that we with Jesus as our king and high priest, have been called to be a nation and a kingdom of priests unto God. Luke 4, when Jesus went into the synagogue, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, read from Isaiah 11. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There are certainly brokenhearted people all around us every day to preach deliverance to the captive. There are many in our nation, in our families, who are still bound, if not in body, in mind and spirit, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to recover the sight of the blind, and to preach the favorable year of the Lord. And this is one of the secrets that we understand in Christ that every year is the year of God's favor because Jesus has triumphed and he is seated on the throne of heaven. And that was the additional time, if you will, that he was anointed again after God raised him from the dead 
and he ascended to heaven, he was anointed, recognized as he offered his blood to cleanse the cosmos, to redeem the human race. He was given the kingdom. And the scripture says his kingdom is without end and he will reign until all, say all, until all things are put under his feet. And so we bless you today with a refreshed sense of the calling on your life, the favor and the appointment and the anointing that you carry because Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. And so we bless you today and recognize that you have an anointing from the Holy One. The book of Hebrews talks in depth about his priesthood as the high priest. And it speaks out of the pattern of Aaron. But all of that was exactly that, a pattern. And one of the things that is outstanding in the pattern of Aaron is the emphasis of the sons who come after him. Of the priestly garments, of the setting aside and the consecration of the sons of Aaron. And so as he is son to the father, we also are his sons and have been inducted, consecrated into this priesthood. So keep that in mind as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Praise the Lord. So I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, the anointed one the only begotten Son of the Father. In Colossians, one of our favorite scriptures, you've heard it from us, is Colossians 1. (laughs) Um, In the Message Bible, starting with verse 15, it says, we look at this Son and see the God who cannot be seen. In the Greek... It's the phrase that says he is the exact image of the invisible God. Praise the Lord. And I would like to add that Jesus was never disembodied. He always had a spiritual body until he was planted in Mary's womb by the act of the Holy Spirit. And then he took on a mortal body. So he was always fully God and fully man. This is the uniqueness of the gospel, friends, that it is God in Christ in whom we believe. And there is no other religion in the world, and there is no philosophy about Christianity that recognizes the truth and the reality. That is why the church is the only place on earth where you can actually find what the Bible says, the truth. And the church is called the ground and pillar of truth. Why? Because we believe in this God and in his son and what the scripture has revealed. And we have entered into that reality by believing in him. Praise the Lord. We look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, 
everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. There is no other true origin because he was God in God, the word at the beginning creating the world. But he is also the fulfillment of the search for meaning for the human race. And he is the certain promise in his resurrection of the recovery of creation and the renewal of the heavens and earth. So we have got a lot that we can rejoice over and we've got a lot to look forward to. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together. Look at your friend or neighbor and say, he's holding it all together. He's holding it all together. He is holding it all together. Holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, say when it comes to the church, he organizes. He's not a community organizer. But he organizes and holds it together. Remember when Simon Peter together with the disciples, were asked in a very significant place, a place called the gates of hell, that was identified in the day's culture as the place where principalities and powers had the authority to come through and influence and guide or coerce or do whatever to the affairs of men. And Jesus went to that place. And in that place, he asked his disciples the all-important question that we answer with our faith every single day. I believe in this God and his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, who are people saying that I am? And the disciples answered, you know, some are saying you're a prophet. Some are saying you're Elijah raised from the dead. And he turns and he looks at Peter and he says, but who do you say that I am? And in that moment, Peter gave the truth, the answer, the revelation of blind eyes being open, broken heart being healed and finding his purpose. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one that we've been waiting for for thousands of years. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed, blessed are you, Simon Peter. On this foundation, I'm going to build my church. The work that God is presently about is for one thing. And that is to build his church in the earth. That we might be a city set on a hill, both salt and light at all times. So praise the Lord. Say, I believe in the anointed one, the son of God. Praise the Lord. Sometime this week, get out your Bible and read 1 John. 1 John is filled with statements of revelation about Jesus as the Son of God. 
in 1 John 22, he says, anyone denying Jesus is the anointed one come to save and fulfill the redemption promise of God and of Israel is a liar and antichrist. That's some pretty straight stuff. That is a definitive contrast between the philosophies of other religions, between the ideologies of man. Anyone that doesn't recognize and confess this Jesus is a liar, whatever they're spouting, even if it's quote-unquote factual. They're a liar and an antichrist. That's pretty significant. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? 1 John 2, 22. In verse 23, in order to have the one true God, you must have the Son. It says, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. And he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So it's a package deal. The Trinity. 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And you have an anointing as his sons to do the same. 1 John 4, 9. The Son is our eternal life. It says, God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live. Say live. That we might live through him. 1 John 4, 10. God sent his son to be the propitiation. It's a word that refers to averting wrath. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to appease the wrath of God and reconcile us to the Father. 1 John 4.14, the son is the savior of the whole world. In 4.15, in order to live in God and have fellowship with him, you must be converted and confess the son and the creed is a specific confession of this Jesus we believe in um, in 1 John 5 verse 5 it says when you believe in the son you have overcome the world I think we could say that together I believe and have overcome. And certainly the last enemy, death, we have overcome. The resurrection is the absolute assurance of the gospel. And in fact, that reality that even death cannot claim us is the thing that gives the church and Christians day by day the ultimate assurance to live in joy and victory and expectation for God. Amen? 5.10, it says that the Son is God's testimony and witness. In 1 John 5.20, it says, If you have the Son, you possess the truth, the only existent truth in the whole world. And so we are rich today because we believe in the Son of God, Christ, Jesus, the Anointed One.
Pastor, is there anything that you want to add? Just that when we say Jesus Christ, we so used to the full names of people, it's okay. That's the full name of Jesus, is Jesus Christ. But that's not true. Jesus, the Christ, he's, he's the anointed one, and that's the supreme title of Jesus, is the Christ, the one who is the anointing. It's not, if you wanted to give him his last name, it would be Jesus bar Joseph, Jesus son of Joseph. So that would be his uh, full name, but that's not, we are calling him by his supreme title, Jesus the Christ. And for centuries, even before uh, Jesus came, God had promised his covenant people that he was going to give them the Messiah was going to come, the Christ. And so he's a fulfillment of what God has promised. And then that's exactly what the prophetic scriptures said about him. So it's a Amazing, wonderful event that shattered the history of the universe. And he is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. So uh, if we get in the flesh, we say, oh, enough about this Jesus Christ. But when you get in the anointing, you realize we owe everything to him. Truly, he is the Messiah. Truly, he is God, and there is no one else. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 onwards, would be good if you can find it, especially in the Message Bible, would be a great devotion. Because you, I mean, it'll blow you away, if I can use that term, to know how awesome that everything, everything and everyone in the whole universe is being held together by the word of his power. It's awesome. There's everything, angels, every creature under the earth, over the earth, wherever. It's held together by the Lord Amen. Almighty, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. So let's say together, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ. Son of God. So let me ask you a question. Who do you say that he is? And he is the way to the Father. He shows us the path of life. He is the truth, literally embodied in a person. So when we see him, everything else finds its perspective and compass. He is the life. Abundant life now and eternal life. Praise the Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.